It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we are back from the holidays. I am so full of chocolate, I feel like my blood is just a fine sludge. And the Toronto Raptors are looking okay, which I guess is a step up. They did lose to the Clippers last night, we'll talk about that. But they also, since last we spoke, beat the Cleveland Cavaliers on the road in very convincing fashion. We'll break it all down with a bit of a Raptors temperature check with our pal Vivek Jacob on today's episode. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode oh god it's been so long since we've recorded i don't know the number i'll say 1308 and maybe i'll be right of locked on raptors i'm your host sean woodley you can find me on twitter at woodley sean where you can find all of my work spanning back the last nine seasons of toronto raptors coverage on various platforms you can also follow the show on twitter at locked on raptors you can follow subscribe to rate and review the podcast for free on your favorite audio apps as always and you can go to youtube hit the big red subscribe button support the show in video form each and every day if you want to see my mug and the mugs of my far better looking guests that's the place to do it and speaking of better-looking guests, on today's show, we are joined by our pal Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. We're going to dig into a very, I think, eventful last little while, despite three days off around Christmas for the Raptors. A lot, I think, in terms of change and evolving and sort of maybe setting the table for better times in January than we've seen so far in December for the Toronto Raptors. Here to talk about that all, as, as I mentioned, is our pal Big V. Vivek, what's going on, pal? Not much. Fresh off uh, the holiday break, which is mm-hmm. nice. I mean, it's not like we ever have to really worry about the Raptors playing on Christmas. But. <laughs> <laughs> Literally have to win a championship for that, and then it's just a one-year little dip, and then it's back to normal. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was nice to have that little bit of time off, and uh, the Raptors have had a nice little run, so that it was kind of disappointing to see how things kind of fell apart in that third mm. quarter against the Clippers, and I'm mm-hmm. sure we will get into that. But, you know, the vibes were still, you know, some of that holiday cheer coming in with seeing Norm and seeing Kawhi and all the nice things they had to say about Toronto and the Raptors and uh, some special memories of winning the chip. Yeah, for sure. We're going to talk about Norm later on. I think he is both of our good in the good, the bad, and the hmm from last night's game. I guess more so from like the last couple of games. We'll just sort of jam them all into one segment. We're going to talk about Norm later on. Uh, We are going to dive into our big takeaways here off the top, though, however. And uh, Big V, I I guess... There's lots of different ways we could go with this. There's positive, there's negative that, you know, the second half, as you mentioned, of the Clippers game, the third quarter, where Norm Powell just kind of goes off and eviscerates Gary Trent Jr. on 17,000 consecutive blow-bys. That might sit in your mouth a little bitter tasting, but I do think, on the whole, even dating back to when they were still losing games, I would maybe even stretch it back to, like, the Kings game that kind of felt like the turnaround moment for the way the Raptors had been playing, not necessarily getting results, but... 
where are you at right now? Let's sort of like sort of your big 10,000 foot view of the team and your sort of general levels of optimism or lack thereof based on what we've seen recently encompassing a couple of really nice wins last week against the Knicks and the Cavs, of course. Yeah, I'm not all the way there yet in terms of feeling like this team has turned things around. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think consistency is the biggest thing for me. So I want to see, you know, a solid, you know, eight, 10 games without that big drop off like we saw uh, in that third quarter. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then I'll believe things are good. Um, The other thing, too, is, you know, the three point shooting. I'd like to see at least the main guys have a consistent stretch of you know, getting it done together. Uh, that'd be nice to see. And yeah, the defense, you know, that's what the Raptors have hung their hat on the last several years. And so when that drops off, I'm, I'm still sort of looking and saying, Hey, uh, it was a step forward. Now, is this a step back? It was, it just, you know, an off night against a very good team, mm-hmm. and, you know, when you're asking those questions, it's it's hard to say that, hey, they've turned a corner. For sure. I mean, we definitely have to see in this upcoming stretch here where I think it's, you know, eight of nine at home. They just played one of those eight uh, or nine of ten, whatever it is. There's a lot of home games against some pretty good teams coming through. The Grizzlies, of course, in town tomorrow. The Suns coming through. The Bucks coming through. Uh, it's not an easy stretch of schedule, but they are getting some home cooking And, you know, I I do think I'm generally encouraged, and maybe it's just because things were so dire there for a hot second, particularly kind of around those magic games that they dropped back to back. Uh, You know, I I feel like that sort of sat in the mouths of people for a long time, but like, I've actually like enjoyed watching the last good number of Raptors games. And, And maybe that's like a low bar to clear. And we'll talk about later on in my, Hmm, about how maybe my brain is kind of broken as a fan at the moment. And I'm kind of trying to reckon with that, but, um, I, I do no feel... longer waiting to watch a lump of coal. <laughs> I'll give you that. There we go. Yeah. It's like, Oh, there's an exciting, there's cool intricacies on, on display. The Raptors are actually making some coaching changes. It seems in terms of how they're deploying, how they're game planning, stuff like that. Uh, and so like, overall, I'm generally encouraged by the direction. Of course, got to see more of it. They're still 15 and 19. Um, you know, they have to actually win some games and string some results together here to really kind of get everybody back on. But I do think, A few things to me are kind of standing out as like, oh, that's a thing to be like genuinely optimistic about. Number one is that Pascal Siakam just ain't slowing down and that dude's ridiculous. Uh, It's so fun to watch him play right now. He goes 2 of 11 last night to start out against the Clippers, still somehow finishes 13 of 24 with 36, 9 and 5. He's absurd. He's like the reason you get up in the morning if you're a Raptors fan right now. It is such a delight. The way he just kind of solved the Clippers as that game went along after they gave him a whole lot of trouble early on it speaks to, I think, just what an amazing player he is. It was almost like a microcosm of his career, if you will, uh, where it's like, oh, intense struggle, you know, missy, missing shots, wonky, you know, release, stuff like that. And then Second half, he just kind of decides, yeah, no, I'm done getting challenged by this team. Now I'm just going to walk into, what is it? What did he finish? 11 of his final 13? Stupid. He's he's amazing. He's so good. So, like, that, I think, is just, you know, starting point number one. You have a dude playing that well. You're probably going to get some results at some point. And then you couple that with, I think, maybe the biggest thing that we've seen over the last week or so from the Raptors is... Just making Scotty Barnes a center and letting him roll with that and sort of asking him, you know, something that you've called for is kind of letting him cook and do the things he did well last year, just, you know, kind of in the same circumstance, maybe with some better talent around him. And it's working. And, you know, he, the last two games, the Cavs game, obviously, he was outstanding, probably his best road performance of the entire season. He comes back with 17, 12 and 8 in the game against the Clippers last night. Obviously, some defensive issues against Evita Zubats, but he's enormous. He gives a lot of people problems, and the Raptors are kind of particularly tailored to get dummied by a guy like that. Um, but the way they've used Barnes, you know, he's working as a screener. He's getting to work on the short roll. I think that's like a thing you can build upon and feel pretty optimistic about sort of the core 
pillars of your team being in a pretty good spot, not to mention OG's coming back to life from three, a little bit up near 36% after a couple of hot nights. Um, you know, I, I do think sort of the big picture stuff is encouraging and sort of trending in the right direction, even if the stuff on the fringes, like bench players not hitting threes and Fred Van Vliet maybe having some back soreness and stuff like that are are to be concerned about. I, I do think overall the sort of the, the the tides moving in the right direction that you want to see it uh, i think all told am, am i just like wearing two rose colored of glasses just like, sitting here oh things are fine i'm not like depressed all the time watching the team anymore so everything everything's great and grand is that like a, a silly way for me to be looking at this or are there like real sort of inherent concerns baked into the fabric of this team that i'm just kind of passing off because i'm so siakam pilled that i can't really overlook it <laughs> I, no, I think I think it's good for fans to hear the positive side of it. But I also, you know, beyond what I've already said before about the consistencies, mm. uh, you know, I don't know how good you can feel about the Raptors if Fred Van Vliet is continuing to battle his body mm. um, and can't really be himself for an extended stretch. Sure. Um, and then uh, on the other side of it, you know, the same way, we all marvel at Luca's 60, 21, and 10 <laughs> night. To beat but the Knicks by five, mind you. <laughs> in overtime. Exactly. Yes. No, the, the, same, the same way you look at, you know, the fact that it needed Pascal's uh, 52 to beat the yeah. Knicks. It needed, sure. you know, him being incredible against Philly to you know, take that down to the wire. Um, mm-hmm. It needed him, uh, you know, being really, really good against the Cavs and picking apart uh, their defense and finding teammates uh, in that one. And and now, you know, this one, the first half, I guess, you know, one real positive is you could argue that Scotty Barnes was the biggest factor in sort of keeping the offense afloat in mm-hmm. the first half mm-hmm. where, you know, Pascal had his struggles. Um, and obviously Gary and OG were contributors, but I thought Scotty was really, really good in that first half, whether mm-hmm. it was playmaking, pushing the pace off the board off the boards, um, you know, getting deep post position and finishing inside. Uh, those are all encouraging signs to see. And we're seeing like way, way less of the jumpers, right? Yes. Um, yes. And and so uh that that aspect of it is definitely a positive, right? So you mentioned OG Ananobi's three-point shooting coming around. Obviously, he's been the second-best Raptor after Pascal uh, so far this season. So if you can check off those boxes and say, okay, Pascal, OG, Scotty, you know, Gary really seems to be in a rhythm off the bench. Yep. If you can really, you know, get Fred going at some point, then, you know, then you're starting to say, hey, you can cook with some gas. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah, like I think last night was, I think, a pretty good example of the sort of battle the Raptors are fighting if they don't have all of their three point shooting kind of in order. Right. It it was like, all right, we're going to trade hard one twos for hard one threes against an excellent defensive team that has great shot making. Like that's where they're going to run up against the elite teams into problems if they can't figure out their three point shooting. I, I, I still think. You know, they're not going to go 6 of 23 all the time. At some point, you would think the dam is going to keep on bursting like it did against the Cavs where they went crazy. They're not going to put up as many threes as they did in that game. What were, the, what were they? 19 of 37? They're not going to hit 19 threes every time out. But, like, if you can find some sort of happy medium between 6 and 19, um, they might have the juice. And I think the play of those sort of core pillars that you're talking about, Siakam, OG, Barnes, you know, we talk about Fred, all of that, but, like, you know, those three guys are the ones we've all kind of agreed are the core guys going forward. They're the important ones who are kind of keeping things humming. That, I think, is reason to be optimistic, even if the Fred thing is of concern and the sort of overall strength of the defense is not quite there. We're going to come back on the other side. I want to get into the idea, because I was kind of running away with my thoughts last night, Big V. In the first half, the vibes are good. The Raptors are looking good, going toe-to-toe with an excellent team. The healthy Clippers, all this. And I started to think, is there a world in which the Raptors just pull off the type of run they did in the second half of last season? We're going to examine the likelihood of that coming up in just one second here. Before we do that, however, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Turo, which is the best place the world's largest car sharing marketplace the best place to go find a car for your trip full stop rental companies 
they're out to grease you, man. They're they're like overly expensive. It was the most expensive thing when I went on my honeymoon this summer. The car rental just completely bled us dry compared to everything else. It's unbelievable, but Turo is here to help you book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a, browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the UK, US, Canada, and very soon Australia as well. You can book a spacious SUV or a minivan for a family road trip. You can get a classic luxury car or, or a special, you know, whatever, the limo, whatever you might want. People have limos, limos up for grabs, I would assume. People just have them sitting around their driveways or using as Turo cars. Either way, Whatever the occasion, birthday, graduation, just driving A to B, whatever it is, you can go and get yourself an affordable car for your trip, whatever you need it for. You can test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on as well to see how it fits into your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. So get rid of stupid rental car companies who are always out to charge you for the absolute most. Go with Turo. Every trip is backed by liability insurance as well. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at Built Bar, who, of course, have been sponsoring this podcast for a very long time and make the best tasting protein bars in the game. I'm not someone who typically likes protein bars. I find them to be gritty and sandy and gross and don't taste very nice in the mouth. Not very pleasant at all. But Built Bars, they have changed the game because they've made them delicious. It's like having a candy bar without actually having a candy bar right now. Right in the throes of the holidays, I have so much garbage to eat that I was gifted at the holidays. It's just kind of laying around the house, and I really need to start tricking myself into not eating it. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to start having Built Bars. I'm going to have them and be like, oh, I'm indulging. I'm, I'm scratching that sweet tooth that I really, really have and can't seem to get rid of over the course of the holidays. The Built Bars are there to help you feel like you're indulging while actually giving you stuff that's going to power you through your day. They've got all sorts of fantastic flavors. They've got cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper right now. They've got the white chocolate peppermint granola as well. It's Built's take on a granola bar. It's more filling and still insanely tasty. And of course, you got the Built Puffs. There's a wonderful range of products for you to check out. Highly recommend them. They are delicious. Built, you got to try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. All right, we continue on here with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. As I promised before the break, I kind of want to examine what's coming up here for the Raptors and sort of the various outcomes we could see. Of course, last year, the Raptors struggled mightily in the first couple months of the season. Injuries, COVID, guys in and out of the lineup, figuring out the defense, all of that. And they, at one point, were 14 and 17, I believe. The Raptors are right now 15 and 19. And if you think back to last year... It was kind of right after Christmas where the Raptors kind of kicked into gear. They had that game against the Sixers that I believe they lost, but Siakam had a massive performance in, and then it all kind of bled into a really good run through January. And so I want to ask you now, Big V, as we're kind of at that same juncture of the season, the Raptors have some home cooking coming up, like we talked about off the top, um, against good teams, but, you know, they've shown that they can hang with good teams in recent times, taking the Nets deep. I think they went to overtime against the Nets, obviously. They had uh, the Kings game, um, you know, lots of pretty good competition with good teams of late, so it gives you hope they might be able to hang with these teams coming up on the schedule. Like, let me let me ask you, man, do you have any optimism, any sort of things that are standing out to you as reasons why you might believe the Raptors can actually go on a bit of a run similar to what they did last year, find themselves in that race for the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference? The top five might already be kind of separated and done, but I don't think the Knicks are scared anybody as the sixth seed, and it seems eminently gettable, you know, two and a half games back right now are the Raptors. Um, what are you, what's your sort of optimism level of a potential repeat of what we saw in the back part of last year for this year's Raptors team? Yeah, I'm not, man, I'm just going to sound like, you know, <laughs> compared to you, I'm just going to sound real. Hate V. It's, we love it. We love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a yin to your yang. We're, we're going to put a positive spin on that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't see reasons right now to believe that they can go on a tear like they did to finish last season what was mm -hmm. it 25 and 11 over the final 36 games 34, 34 and, 17 and 17 i believe they were as their sort of closing stretch yeah yeah so um i'm 
I'm just going to need to see a healthy Fred Van Vliet. I don't think mm. they can win on that lo- level w- without him. Um, I think he's too important to this team uh, and what he brings to the table when he's healthy defensively, uh, offensively shooting the ball. Uh, I struggle to see that type of ceiling without him uh, at, mm. at, at full strength. And, you know, until I see that... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's not going to change my opinion as well as, you know, Pascal is playing um, Scotty, OG, uh, Gary turning things around. Um, the other thing that, you know, might help change my mind is a potential trade. Yeah. Right? Uh, again, you know, in terms of the playing style, in terms of the roster construction, they do need a legitimate big option. Uh, yes. Clearly, if, Nick Nurse is not willing to try out Kem Birch in a matchup against Anika Zubac. When... Oh, the furious texts from Big V to Sean last night about Kem Birch playing too late in the game. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, then, you know, it's clear that you need a legitimate big man option. Um, ideally, a, a guard who can shoot some threes would be nice as well. Um, Malachi is doing a good job. Yeah, they got Malachi, baby. You don't want to take away Malachi's minutes. Are you crazy? He's the second coming. <laughs> so those are the things I would need to see uh, to believe in them pulling off a run like last year. Yeah. I do think I'm with you that without an actual deal for a big man to address the very clear issues with rim defense and just like general size that the team obviously has i think a run will be difficult to string together i think you know it's just we saw it last night you know the reasons why it was kind of weird i was not that broken up about how the raptors lost to the clippers in that game like via blow buys from norm powell and evita zubats just dummying them on the inside because I kind of know, oh, yeah, that's the issue. Like, they have problems with perimeter defense, and they don't have a backline defender to kind of fix the problems and bang with a big dude underneath. Those are problems that we already knew about. This isn't something new revealing itself as, like, a new problem to kind of tackle. It's, oh, okay, these are the things they have to address via trade. And it, particularly the, the the center thing, you know. I think the perimeter defense can be given a bit of a breather if there's actually a rim protector back there to clean up some messes, which they just haven't had. Um, And so I wasn't like overly concerned about the way in which they lost to the Clippers, but I do think that is going to be an inhibitor to them stringing together a long enough, you know, stretch of games here to really put together the type of finish we saw last season. So uh, yeah, like, Go make a trade. Go get, uh, man, the Hartenstein quickly duo from the Knicks is just like uh, screaming at me. Is Please, go get those guys now. Um, and maybe as Knicks keep on losing games, maybe that'll become more of a reality. We'll see. Hey. Mm. Uh, also, the Wolves have Jalen Noel and Nas Reed just hanging out there too as the Wolves lose all of the games as well. There's, there's man, I, the, the number of times I've just like searched the trade machine for a pair of guard and big on sad team, it's uh, it's kind of what I'm doing all of my time, using all of my time for. It's right crazy now. how <laughs> you've become a trade machine savant after you. Oh, I've become a trade, like... ma- I've totally become a trade machine sicko. It's great. I love it. You know what? <laughs> Our pal, the Zoobs. I've I've mentioned the Zoobs because I think the Zoobs is a really smart guy. He does, of course, the, the uh, oh God, Less Than Jay's podcast. God, I forgot the name for a second. And Zoobs' whole thing is, yeah, transactions are why sports are good. Uh, he's right. Transactions rock. Uh, and so I'm, I fully throw myself in. It's fun and cool. Um, but anyway, besides that, I think the trade is necessary to really kind of solidify things. I do maybe have a counterpoint for you with the Fred thing. I know Fred's very good and he's very important. I, you know, I, I'm still not sold on the idea of moving on from him as like a core piece on this team. Like I think, I think the optimized version of Fred Van Vliet is a perfect complement to what they have on the roster. That said, their best basketball last year came after the All Star break when Fred was out or not himself for basically that entire stretch. They were really good. Scotty Barnes kind of became this second pillar next to Siakam and was the second best player on the team. He was outstanding. OG was nowhere near the player he is right now. He missed a ton of time, actually, in that back part of last season, as did Gary Trent Jr. Malachi Flynn is actually playing reasonable basketball. It seems like there's a little bit more depth on hand 
for this team than there was last year. Even though the depth continues to be a concern and Juancho Hernan Gomez just needs to s- simply make a freaking three, please. Uh, the depth is still a concern, but I don't think it's quite as dire as it was last year where they were basically kind of rolling with six or seven guys that they trusted most nights. I do think there's a way in which they can get on a bit of a heater, even if Fred is not himself, because we've seen it happen. Am I, like, what are the differences maybe between what happened in the back part of last season and right now that make you feel a little bit less optimistic about that? Is it just the fact that, like, that team had figured out how to play defense with one another, and this year it feels a little bit more sort of, you know, hit or miss as to whether or not they're going to be on the string, as it were, on any given night? Well... I think uh, we need to discuss a certain guy who's been missing, Precious Achua. Yeah, um, that's true. Yep, he was an absolute <laughs> marvel. <laughs> Coming back soon, though, baby, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, hopefully, he doesn't come back with the three-point shot that he had to start the season. Um, yeah, that would be and comes ideal. Back <laughs> <laughs> and comes back with the one that he had, you know, um, in the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that negated some of uh, Fred's shooting struggles. And Mm -hmm. while Fred did struggle offensively, um, I think it's uh, kind of forgotten that he still played like 15 games after the All-Star break. Yeah, I I think, you know, people look back and think he only played like four or five games and Mm. sometimes maybe it feels that way. But he actually played 15 games and defensively, he was still very, very good. Sure. Um, I still remember, uh, you know, William Liu kind of clipping all of those deflections that he was creating um, and getting the Raptors out. And Mm -hmm. I think that aspect of it kind of being missing to an extent Mm -hmm. this season uh, or not to the degree that it was last season, where, again, last season, I thought he was a legitimate all-defensive team candidate um, and probably should have made that second team. I think that, you know, two-way balance that he's able to, you know, usually at least make up for on one end, if one end's, you know, not where uh, we expect, that's what's missing for me. Um, And then, again, the precious element is huge. um, And the way he is usually able to combine with Chris Boucher with that pop uh, off the bench Mm -hmm. um, and that tag team. So, yeah, those will be... X factors for sure. Precious, I think, is the biggest X factor in, you know, what happened in the second half of last season. And so if he can come back and be that player, um, not even necessarily be better, but if he can come back and be that player, then mm-hmm. that really changes things, right? Like we saw him defend uh Giannis in stretches, Jokic, like uh whoever you wanted to throw him on, like he was looking in combination with OG as like two Mm -hmm. all-world defenders Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you had pascal kind of you know playing off of them and chris boucher playing off of them and uh, you know being able to you know just scamper all over the court and that's Mm -hmm. how the defense kind of came together i mean it should be said uh, you know precious i think i've been guilty of kind of forgetting precious as part of the team while he's been out he's been out a long time i was at the game where he got hurt actually and it was that was a that was ages ago and I do think his impact on the defense has maybe been underplayed a little bit. Um, he's really freaking good at that end. Even at the start of the season when he was not playing well offensively at all, he was still wrecking things everywhere defensively. I mean, he's picking up Trey Young full court and just completely just flummoxing him. I think he both at once can help address the rim protection stuff, even though he's not a traditional seven-foot banger. I mean, his rim protection numbers last season were quite good. And you compare that, you also combine that with the fact that he can be one of their best point of attack guys and address that hole as well. Obviously, you he can't also do had it all. a twenty rebound game this season. Exactly right. Like he's a he's a very good defensive rebounder. Uh, he can get on the offensive glass. Can he convert on the offensive putbacks? He couldn't do that <laughs> to start the year, but hey, that's fine. Um, you know, I, I do think his impact defensively really could help solidify things and just make things simpler for everybody else. And even if you don't get Fred back at full speed, I I do think if you get something resembling the Precious, like something between early season Precious and late season last year Precious, I do think that's a a pretty meaningful addition that maybe addresses a couple of your biggest holes kind of in one fell swoop. And that is 
massive. And I think a reason to feel kind of optimistic again about maybe a bit of a second half run. I don't think they're going to go, should be said, I don't think they're going to finish the season, you know, winning two games to losing one. They're not going to go and be a 66-66 win percentage team. But I do think there's enough there to be a six seed for sure. Like, it's not like they're that far out. The East, like the, the three teams in front of them directly... The Hawks, Pacers, and Heat all have worse point differentials. They all have all sorts of problems or are, in the in the Pacers' case, just like young and probably not going to sustain this all season long. And I, I just feel like there is room here for the Raptors to put together a pretty exciting second half, even if it's not going to quite reach the heights we saw last year. Um, I'm willing to be optimistic about it. But again, my brain's broken, and I just might be happy-go-lucky fanboy for the entirety of the rest of time. We're going to talk about that. In just one sec, but yeah, what just you got quickly, round it out. Yeah, just quickly, I am with you on that. Uh, like, yeah. I don't think the type of run that happened last season can happen, but I absolutely, absolutely think the Raptors can be good enough to at least, you know, avoid the play-in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, if they go, what are they right now? They're fifteen and nineteen. Yeah. So they, the math on the fly here is going to be pretty embarrassing for. They're me. two and a half uh, games <laughs> behind the Knicks in, in sixth place. Yeah. So if they go, can they go 30 and 18 to finish the season and get to uh, 45 and 37? I don't think that's crazy. Like, it's not maybe the most likely outcome. That's a lot of wins to pick up, but also, yeah. like, why not? I, I don't know. I, I'm not terribly worried about any of the teams directly in front of them in the East, I suppose. It's the top five I'm worried about. And hey, they're already done with uh, with the Nets. It's great. <laughs> don't have to play those bastards anymore. And they got one left against the Sixers. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll continue on. Come back on the other side. Get into the good, the bad, and the hmm from the last couple of nights. And we'll round this thing out. Before we do that, however, I do have to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest trends and odds for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro and college football to the basketball, you know, whatever, college basketball going on, the NBA season as we continue through. And also like the return of club soccer. It's lovely. Spurs coming out with a dud of a 2-2 draw with Brentford over the weekend. You love to see it. Get me back in that soccery mood after the World Cup. But if you want to throw some money down on soccer or whatever sport tickles your fancy, then Bet Online is the place to become the informed wagerer to go ahead and do that. So you're not just throwing your money away indiscriminately. You're actually making bets that make sense, and you know why the odds have been set the way they have been set. They are your number one fastest and easiest way to get all of your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we continue on here, rounding it out with the good, the bad, and the hmm from the last couple of games or so from your Toronto Raptors. Uh, Let's start with the good. We have agreed to talk about Norman Powell in this spot of the show. Big V, Norm, the vibes, the tribute, uh, you know, obviously him torching the Raptors in the third quarter with a parade of drives to the rim and uh, surprisingly keen assists to the corner and whatnot, Uh, you know, I just kind of came away from last night thinking Norm Powell is going to be a fixture in our lives for the rest of time as Raptors fans. He is going to be down, go down in the annals as one of the all-time Raptors capital G guys. And he's going to be someone who we capital R remember fondly for a very, very long time. Um, what were your sort of takeaways? You were there, obviously, for the tribute, the ovations, all of that. Thoughts on Norm's return and just sort of Norm's status within Raptors history. It turns out... When you play for a team for five or six years that goes to the playoffs every year, you have all sorts of indelible moments that are just never going anywhere. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. 
So the biggest good, first of all, is that mm. uh, Norman Powell is reunited with his championship ring. Yeah. Uh, I had asked him about, you know, what it was like to see the banner as an opponent. And obviously he said the wonderful things about, you know, always being a part of history and bringing the first championship to NBA championship to this country, to mm-hmm. the city. Um, and how he still, you know, looks back on some of the photos with, with fond memories and mm-hmm. kind of reminisces. And then he revealed that, uh, you know, because he had the championship ring here, mm. um, he never had the opportunity to actually like get it to where he was. <laughs> and, and so everything's kind of been a whirlwind the last couple of years. And so this trip here was finally when he was able to get the championship ring back and, uh, you know, hopefully no issues with customs taking him back over the border. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There might be a lot to declare. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that was the biggest good. I mean, as far as, uh, Norman Powell, the player, uh, the Raptor, a uh, lot of fond memories. I uh, love the way that he developed himself into a volume three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really, like, we always knew he was someone that could uh, attack a closeout and get to the basket. But adding that element of three-point shooting, volume three-point shooting, I mean, he got to a point, like that 2019-20 season, mm-hmm. uh, those games where, uh, you know, he would just pop off and have those almost consistently, you know, 25 plus nights. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, something special for the Raptors. And yeah, just that mindset he brought, right? Like when you think of that core of Fred and Pascal um, and Norm and and the way... Kyle still. They, yeah, and the way yeah. they kind of built themselves... Uh, and are self-made men into how they're recognized today and respected today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is uh, a type of Raptor that I think the Raptors fan base loves the most mm-hmm. uh, and, and really embraces. And so it was good to see him get the ovation that he deserved when that video tribute was made. Dude played 67 playoff games for the Raptors. That's a lot of playoff <laughs> games, man. Holy God. Yeah. Um, yeah great thing I, that Pacers dunk again in that video, too. So great. Yeah, our pal uh, Jamar Hines put together a great smash cut as well of the uh, the very many great moments of Norman Powell with the Raptors. That Pacers dunk, obviously. You know, thinking back even before that, his summer league, whatever it was, 2015, I guess it would have been, um, like, that is the only time. I'm not a summer league person. I don't think any of it really matters. That's the only time I've ever, like, totally been, like, uh, like totally just bought into a dude based on their summer league efforts. He was ridiculous in that summer in Vegas. And it kind of set the stage for him to, you know, do the G League path, come up midseason, has that impact as a rookie. For me still, though, whenever I close my eyes and think about Norm Powell, I think about Game 3 in Milwaukee in 2017, or they're down, uh, wait, are they down, down 0-2? No, it's 1-1. Wait, they're down, no, it's 1-1. No, it's they, game four. They're down 2-1. They That's go right. down 2-1. Yeah, they are They down make the 2-1. switch. Yeah. They make the starting lineup switch. They bring in Norm to start as like the small ball three or whatever it is. And I just close my eyes and I just envision it swinging to him in the corner and him burying three after three or driving and dunking on the baseline. Like that game to me, like he saved that series and it also felt... Like, the second they inserted him into the lineup and, like, one of those swing possessions happened, it's like, oh, they solved the Bucks. It's over now. Yeah. They're, they're going to be fine. There was such a comforting feeling to see that. And they, of course, go and win out in, in the next three games in that series. And I think Norm was just such a massive part of that. The Bucks killing stuff was just, like, the stuff of legends with him. Um, yeah, man. Norm Powell. What a guy. We, we, we love Norm. And uh, it was nice to see him. Uh, you know, back in Toronto, I, I, it, it snuck on me. It snuck up on me. I didn't realize he had not some of the been back in Toronto stuff yeah. too, right? Like, yeah, the I'm, I'm not, not your child, child. <laughs> <laughs> with Ronde and then all summer um, long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the oh, yeah. the slam interview where yep. you know he just couldn't stop laughing at Serge, and then Serge literally just leaves. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> also, uh, game six against the Celtics, if we're going on court moments, game six against the Celtics. Yeah. I know it all kind of came crashing down with a really, really bad attempted layup and blocked by Marcus Smart in game seven, but the Raptors do not win that game six without Norm going off for 23. Absolutely. Um, playing into, uh, they went to overtime in that game, right? I, I don't, that whole series is a bloody blur and it angers yeah, me. That, that was, that was the go, Kyle, double OT. Kyle yeah, it was a double OT game. on the court game. Yes, that was the double OT game. That was the one of the more stressful experiences of my entire life. Uh, quickly, let's run through the bad and the hmm, shall we? Let's go to the bad first. Uh, do you have a bad from the weekend, Big V? You'd like to, uh, I get the weekend, I don't know, the last week or so, six, six days since last we did a show. Um, anything that's coming to mind? I think the bad is that the Raptors have these games where realistically it shouldn't get out of hand the the way it does. Mm. And then, you know, like the fake comebacks are past expiry, long past expiry. <laughs> right? so, One day it's going to be real. One day, <laughs> maybe. Have they had an actual like big comeback since the 30-point comeback against the Mavs, which we also just celebrated the three-year anniversary of? No, I, I think they had a few of them that 2019-20 season, mm, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And then... Uh, but after that, it just hasn't, has, hasn't yeah. happened. So, mm -hmm. um, I think the way at times the, the rope has been let go is mm -hmm. what concerns me, whether it be, you know, defensive breakdowns, whether it be a, a lack of adjustments from Nick nurse, um, and, you know, more so big picture coming back to that, you know, me criticizing not trying Kem Birch, like mm. that's where I'm like, okay, you know what? It's one thing to lose to this Clippers team, mm -hmm. but like to have the problems that Ivica Zubac was creating and mm -hmm. not throw everything, yeah, at it. That's Christian Coloco was like, not the answer. Uh, Christian yeah. Coloco is about uh, one third of Zubac's width. Uh, it's yeah. not happening. So unless he was like just absolutely intent on sending a message to the front office mm. like th those are the things where uh, that's the bad for me it's like there's sure. games that have just gotten out of hand that there seem to be um solutions that are at least worth pondering mm. or sure experimenting with before it gets to that point yeah, that makes sense. Um, my bad, I think, is, you know, kind of, I guess, sort of tied to the center question. Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, I love watching him play. I love his positional soundness on defense. I love the way he seems to know exactly how the Raptors want to play on that end. I love the way he cuts off ball. I love when Thad Young throws bounce passes to him. But if he can't hit a damn three, which is kind of his whole thing... I don't know how viable he is. He goes 0-4 last night. Uh, it, it, it's just, he's got to hit threes, man. He, it, it, last night was really, really rough in that department. And, and, you know, he is one of those guys who can kind of help give you some cushion in the event Fred or Trent or OG is having an off night and just didn't get it from him last night. You got to have it. And it, it's... I don't want him to be a difficult insertion into the lineup or the rotation because he does do a lot of really good things and I like watching him play, but if he's not going to hit his threes, it becomes way more untenable to, to have him out there. It's, you know, it's the same problem Chris Boucher's having right now. It's like, just please stop bricking every timely three, please. Um, let's go to the hmm, round it out. What's your hmm, Big V? Uh, my hmm is basically, you know, uh looking at this whole Scotty getting minutes at the center position uh mm -hmm. I mean I feel like we've gone through this before but it's mm -hmm. like if Scotty defending centers is his best uh means to success mm -hmm. on the defensive end of the floor mm -hmm. uh, what does that entail for a potential trade for a big um yeah. and how does Scotty uh defend the other positions from there yeah. What is the trickle-down effect of that? Yeah, that's a good question, for sure. It's, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Carry on. No, 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 that's all. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I mean, yeah, I do feel like whoever you end up trading for, 
they're not going to be so good that you have to play them 35 minutes every night, probably. And so you probably are able to still get Scotty plenty of time as your nominal five, cut out the Coloco minutes, cut out the the minutes for guys who just aren't getting it done in that spot. And maybe you just have yourself 48 minutes of pretty solid center play. Um, and, you know, maybe there's ways to weaponize Scotty as sort of like a free safety t- style guy on defense, maybe less as a guy you need on the ball. Maybe he's sort of more in a Robert Williams type role. Um, not to say he's Robert Williams, because that dude is a monster. Uh, the, please don't conflate those two things. You doing the same role and being the same guy. But like that feels like maybe the role he's best suited for right now. And maybe you can kind of just get creative in the way you deploy him if you do have a center next to him. But I don't think it would preclude me from trading for a center, but it does, I think, you know, open up some very interesting questions, which is exactly what the hmm section is for. Um, For me, this is more of a personal hmm, Big V. I I know I kind of has been texting you about this, but last night, all the reminders of the title and how awesome that season was with Kawhi and Normantown and the highlight videos and all that stuff, I kind of... It's kind of got me thinking, like, am I ever going to care as much about the Raptors winning a title as I did in 2019? Like, I kind of feel like I've beaten the game, as it were, as a fan. And it's like, oh, climb climb the summit. What else is there to do now? It's like if you've played the game Breath of the Wild, you beat Ganon, but you still got plenty of game left. You got side quests, you got shrines, you got Korok seeds to go and collect. And that's kind of the mode I'm in, I'm in like seed collecting mode as a fan at the moment where it's like, yeah, they got the title. I'm cool. Like, I'm just kind of here doing side quests and sort of 100%ing this bad boy. And I kind of like it. It's nice. It's like a low stakes level of like non-stress basketball watching. But I do wonder if I'm ever going to like feel the way I did in 2019 where it felt like, God, they got to win this thing. Otherwise, my world is going to be over. I don't have that feeling right now. I'm not riding with the results the way I used to each and every game. And it's like a nice place to be, but I, I, I do kind of wonder if just like my brain is completely altered by the title and I'm just never going to... Like I, we're almost at the point now where it's four years out from it. Like at some point you got to be like the honeymoon phase is over, but I just don't know if it's ever going to be over for me. I might just be a different kind of fan now and maybe that's fine. That's just something I'm thinking about. It's my hmm... Um, that no one probably really cares about because who cares what my fan inclinations are. Uh, are. Are you feeling this at all, Big V? Like, I, I'm very curious if I'm, like, on an island with this. I No, I totally get what you're saying. I think mm. uh, the first one hits home the best. Yep. And, you know, I think for me, being a fan of different sports, like, I... I had my power ranking as well in terms of which mm-hmm. one I want the most, right? Sure. And so when India won the Cricket World Cup in 2011, mm-hmm. that was like, it's weird to say, but that was almost as a fan, that was like a weight off my shoulders. I was sure. like, I've seen the biggest thing that I wanted to see as a sports fan. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, I, I watching the Raptors win the championship. Obviously, I've seen Manchester United win every trophy there is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And Rub so, it in, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense, it, it's definitely taken that angst away mm-hmm. um, as a sports fan. Uh, and, you know, there's times where I'm just like, man, like the only thing that's really left for me to see now is like Netherlands win the FIFA mm. World Cup one day, right? Mm-hmm. The men's. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, if that happens, that'd be, you know, it almost like completes the set as you were mm-hmm. alluding to with the, you know, kind of got to <laughs> catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just going to go forward and let you think that Pokemon and Zelda are the same. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to bother me. That's fine. I'm not going to correct you. Um <laughs> yeah um yeah it, it's it's weird this whole sports fandom thing i i mean i i like it i'm just kind of at the phase where oh past pascal siakam did crazy cool things that's all i need baby we're good uh it, it's kind of a nice place to be it would be very cool i mean you know with how much uh you and a lot of people love pascal i mean for him to bring a championship here yes uh, yeah like as like the main guy yeah um that would hit uh different for sure and like 
if that were to happen, he would absolutely be the greatest Raptor of all time. Of course, yeah. I mean, he's going to have a case probably by the end anyway, I would imagine. But yeah. He's, yeah he, he's, he's awesome, dude. He's so good. Yeah. And, no, and yeah, this is also extension. admittedly, yes. Yeah, give him that super max, baby. I, I, this is also admittedly me being in the middle of December, being like, ah, I don't really care about the results. Talk to me in April. I'll probably be losing my mind like a sicko again. So uh, we'll round it there. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We went a little long today, but we had a lot of ground to cover. We'll be back again tomorrow. Might do a little holiday mailbag situation. So if you have questions, you can always drop them in the comments on this here episode. If you made it to minute 48, drop in your your questions for tomorrow on the show. I'll put a little prompt on the YouTube channel and on Twitter as well. Um, so we'll just run through your mailbag questions and uh, head off into a couple of fun games against the Grizzlies and Suns. Jamar Hines is going to be around on Friday to break down the Grizzlies game. That'll bring us to the end of the week, and then we're back to the five-a-week schedule as of next week. Thank you for uh, being cool with some holiday time baked in here for the show. Big V, anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? The usual stuff. I mean, uh, all the World Cup stuff is out the way, so just head to Mm. Raptors.com, head to uh, my Twitter, at Vivek M. Jacob, for everything I'm doing. Speaking of uh, achieving all you can as a sports fan, having seen the World Cup final, maybe I just don't watch soccer anymore. It's done. It's solved. (laughs) (laughs) I'm watching that stupid Tottenham-Brentford game, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, This sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that'll do it. We'll be back again on uh, Thursday with your mailbag episode. Thanks so much, and go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Leafs, as the buds are real good, and our pals Mike and Dave covering the team are also Real good. Go check him out. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.